0: This show is brought to you by adamandeve.com. If you go to adamandeve.com right now and enter GLORY, the code word GLORY, G-L-O-R-Y, at checkout you'll get 50% off almost any item, a free sex swing and free shipping.
1: Hey, Thomas Cecil. This is Fane in Colorado. I'm calling you about the Mike Pence not being alone with women story. Um, I uh, used to moderate a sex addiction group for Mormons. And uh, the the kinds of things that Mike Pence is doing, um, uh, it's a lot to do with uh, what a pastor or a bishop might counsel uh, in cases where somebody's cheated on uh, someone else. And so there's these hyper-restrictive rules that the uh, that the religious leader will put into place to try to um, set boundaries and make sure that the uh, the incidents, the cheating incidents or incidences, don't happen again. Um, and so this is a lot with uh, what Mike Pence reminds me of. I saw a lot of that with the people in our class. Of course, uh, the, the group I moderated that's mostly masturbation because in the Mormon context, that's a you know, the next thing, too, just cheating on your wife. Just just shy up. But, you know, there were also individuals who had, uh, cheated on their wife. One guy who was uh, going to jail because he had uh, he had met a, a, a younger girl in the park who happened to be a police officer, things like that. So, yeah, these hyper-restrictive rules, that's just something that uh, uh, individuals have to do uh, when they've been caught. And so it makes the wife feel better, and it uh, sets some boundaries to the husband. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that to your way. Talk to you later. Bye.
3: Of cognitive good for dissonance. You, buddy. Good I, for you. I know when I'm corrected. Wow. I know. I may have mislabeled the notes, but I saw somebody <laughs> went in there and made a little change, you know, got the number right. I'm, I take suggestions. You're good. You're good. I t- I'm open to criticism. You're good, my friend. And we are joined this episode by Anthony Magnabosco. Anthony. Thank you so much for uh, entering the glory hole. Well, hello, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be here with you. Uh, well, that's what everyone says at the beginning yeah, of the glory hole. it's always at the beginning. <laughs> right? It's always the beginning. Nobody at the end feels the yeah. same. No. <laughs> it's a different no.
0: experience. Something it, happens in between. Yeah.
3: It's, a, it's a magical
0: world. Yeah, something happens between. It's called a wall with a hole in it. And <laughs> that's, that's, that's between it. us. That's So, So, Anthony, what? you're in town. Yeah. You're giving a talk And what you do is you talk to strangers. No one's stranger than us. I just, I just have one question: Why? Why do you talk to strangers? Why? That sounds terrible. Why not? Why though? That sounds strange. Why not? It sounds awful. (laughs) It sounds absolutely awful.
4: Talking to strangers is the coolest, most fun thing I think I've ever done in my life. I. It is so interesting to talk to other people.
0: Now, were you, I don't know, were you always like that? Like, or did, did, did sort of coming across, and I know we're going to get into all the like background on why you do this, right? Yeah. But I, the question I have, though, the, the first question I have is, like, was this always been something that you've done? Like, have you it, always yeah, been sort of... I was wondering question. the same thing.
3: Like, did you always seek the company of strange men?
0: Yeah.
3: Or is it like <laughs> a new... It's a new... <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell like, you. It's 2017!
5: yeah!
0: Listen,
4: I, I used to be the most nervous, anxious kid you probably ever met. And I think... I've been to atheist conventions. I've met a lot lot of nervous nervous anxious (laughs) kids. kids, Right. I think when when, when I first came to grips with my atheism, like all of that kind of flew away. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like once I came to realize that there's probably no God and I don't have to carry all this baggage. Oh, no kidding. My my life has become so much better embracing atheism. Wow.
3: Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... Why do you think that is? Why do you think it changed that piece of your life as well that's i don't know i okay. really don't know
4: um maybe there was some fear of hell or this the the expectations that come with Do you think maybe beliefs. that
3: underlying anxiety just kind of ramped everything else up Is possibly
4: that, you know yeah here's like kind of doing like therapy here yeah. i'm I just know. curious i know, <laughs> you know we're on two different wow. sides curious. there yeah this got right? deep really yeah. quick yeah. all right but the, uh,
3: i'll uh, make a dick joke talk- in a minute don't worry <laughs>
4: <It's> all right <laughs> but i guess to go back to the talking to strangers um, I guess I've always been comfortable talking with people, yeah, but I've never felt it more important to do so these days because of what's happening sure. in our world. sure. And, and these beliefs that people hold motivate them to do some very terrible things. Of course they can do some good things too yeah. Absolutely. but it's, it's, the, it's the dangerous, terrible motivations that people have because they're holding these beliefs. That's mm. what what I came to realize that you know something needs to be done. yeah and it was sort of the confluence of that and my embracing my atheism sure. and discovering Bogosian's book and sure. going out
3: and starting to talk to people yeah. that kind of all came together. Can you explain what is street epistemology first, just yeah. in case anyone isn't familiar with sure. the concept? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, and if I can take a step back from there just No, briefly. we're only going ah, one step back at yeah, a yeah, time. Okay. And then we yeah, gotta go two
3: forward and, and
0: it's then, a whole uh, thing. Who's
3: got the
4: dice? Is
1: this Boggle? <laughs> a, are yeah. we doing a Boggle <laughs> thing?
4: Oh man, you guys are rough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I don't know where to go with that. I'll, I'll just talk about street epistemology. So yeah, it originated from B- Boghossian's book, A Manual mm-hmm. for Creating Atheists. He, he's the father of street epistemology. He, he's a philosophy teacher, teaches the Socratic method. He's also a non-believer, And it dawned on him like this could be a very good approach for talking to people rather than presenting facts, mm-hmm. rather than ridiculing people which will more than likely cause a person to double down on what they believe. Sure. Let me just ask them why they believe it. How do they come to the conclusion that it's true? And that back and forth of questioning generally opens a person up to take a moment, slow the fuck down sure, and think, why do I have this belief? How did I form it? Did I use a reliable method? And that moment of slowing down and, and helping a person reach that point of introspection that is when the gift of doubt can be imparted on a person. I hate to
3: get all flowery with my language. No, right. I like that. The I, gift I like of it doubt, too, yeah. But it's awesome.
4: Yeah. It, 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 I give
3: that all. I give it every year. Yeah, every year, a lot. <laughs> I, I can give the gift of doubt every day. Do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. Really. He just, so, <laughs> I but just
3: open I, up a box. It's just a shrug inside. <laughs> like, eh? <laughs> I don't know. I will <laughs> say this though.
0: Anthony has a YouTube page. And if you watch these, you, these YouTube videos of you engaging in dialogue with strangers, mm-hmm. you can see some of these moments. So what really,
5: I really, really
0: yeah, clear. Thank you. Yeah. So what
4: I've done is taken his book and and started putting it into practice. Because I read it and I thought, holy shit, if this works, if this works like Bogosian says that it will work, then we should be doing this. We should be having these conversations right. and not just about God beliefs, but any claim. So I went out with my camera, started engaging with people and you don't have to initiate talks. You can wait for them to happen organically. I was on a plane today and there were perfect opportunities to talk to somebody about why they have a Bible on their lap or a cross around their neck, or sure, they, sure. They, they, they make some claim about the weather, right? You can still engage in, in, uh, in those conversations with people. And, uh, What I found, even though I got off to a rough start, is that the method does indeed seem to work. And that was like, it's like discovering plutonium in your backyard.
1: (laughs) Seriously, like,
4: (laughs) holy crap, like this might be the thing that can help humans get past this, this huge impasse that we're all at, it seems.
3: Well, I want to ask you about starting these conversations, because that was one of the issues that Cecil and I had a long time ago, and I think we still have, is that I don't most of the people in my community, most of the people in my social circle are atheist. Mm-hmm. They just, and they have been for 20 fucking years. I don't, I just, I'm in, I'm in Chicago, not Texas. You know, I just don't run in to a whole lot of people who are uh, religious or that are open about the religion or that want seem to want to have conversations about it. Mm-hmm. And so short of being aggressive, um, and, and there's a difference, a huge difference. I want to talk to you about being assertive and aggressive, but like short of being aggressive, I don't naturally get into these conversations. I don't think you do either. No. Well, Maybe I, d-
0: I do you more than so I do. I work for a religious organization, yeah. and I have for about fifteen years. And my boss has a PhD in theology, and I have conversations with him all the time about uh, about religion and about you know the effects of religion. Hmm. We rarely enter into the things that you talk about, though, which is the why do you believe it. Which yeah. is the the main thing that it's has the to the most do. important yeah, question. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. That we, is the most, well, yeah. I think the
4: dynamics are different when I'm initiating a talk with a stranger on the street or they're getting ready to do a hike on, on a trail or something and you having a conversation with your boss. I would even go so far as to say that I don't even think that that might be the best opportunity to be having those conversations because there's an inherent risk there and yeah, uh, sure, you know, he could fire you yeah. or something. Like <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. there might be some HR rules sure, against yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um I guess to your point, um I think you don't you don't have to just limit these conversations to just believers. You can there are plenty of atheists that are probably in your circles that believe things that they've never been gently challenged on at all. Hmm. They think that they've seen a ghost. They think karma's real. They think that the um they're gonna avoid buying a red car because they're they're they've heard that those get more speeding tickets than other cars, right?
0: So they think that like there's lizard people inside of the queen.
3: <laughs> well, that's true. That's David Icke said so. So that's a, that's so, a viable source of I, I wouldn't
4: just say, well, all my friends are atheists, therefore there's no place for this method. This isn't just atheists talking to christians or even believers and
3: god believers but i would love to have these conversations i want to know how okay. you begin these conversations like and I've, I've seen a number of your videos good um, and i think i think i'd like you to kind of walk us through that for our listeners too I, mm-hmm. i'm going through my day-to-day life you know i'm wake up i you know shower and go to work and i come home and i take care of the kids when do i have these conversations and how do i have these conversations mm. Well, I'm in a kind of a unique spot where
4: I'm a stay-at-home dad. My kids are a little bit older. When they go to school, sometimes I have a few hours in the day where I'm not doing laundry or going grocery shopping or taking care of the dog or a sick parent. Mm -hmm. And I have a little time to go out. And what I'll do is, because I want to capture the exchange that I'm having with people, I bring a little camera, I strap on a GoPro, and I have a little whiteboard to keep my notes and even a timer, Mm because I found that if if you ask people if they have five minutes to chat with you, rather than just say, can I chat with you about it? it's about some sort of belief that's in your head? They usually say, "Oh, he's probably you know he's respectful of my time," and they they agree to it. Like, oh, okay. I don't know. Two thirds of the people that I ask, maybe I don't know half will say, "Sure, I'll talk with you." Wow!
3: Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. It is huge. So do you just walk up to people and say, hey, let's talk? And then how, usually, do you, how do you find the person <laughs> to walk up to? Okay, so... He stalks them for several weeks first. I I, cannot,
0: yeah, I have very
3: low up. success on that, and I get barred from, like, all these school zones. You need <laughs> camouflage. And it's camouflage. Like, that's that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. I wear the ghillie suit. You need right, that that turkey climb camouflage. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: exactly. I, I hang out as well. I, I, I've been going to a couple different locations. When I first started, I thought, let me talk to the street preachers who are always in front of
0: the Alamo on Sundays. Sure. This seems like a great, great person that wants to have this conversation, Right. right? You'd be surprised. They really don't want to have the
4: conversation. No shit. They are probably the most dishonest believers that you might run into. And I'm stereotyping here. Some of them are pretty genuine. But what I found is that when somebody is is willing to stand on a soapbox, possibly even literally, and proclaim their belief in a God, mm-hmm. they're, they're often so focused on a script that they won't really open up and have a, a real conversation. Okay. So I would much rather talk, I'd much rather spend, you know, 10 hours of a weekend, for example, talking to regular everyday folks than spending five hours with one street preacher where I we're not getting anywhere. Sure. Okay. So, so... Venues important. Um, that moved on to a college university, a couple different schools. I, I figured, let me talk to some younger adults who are in an educational environment. Um, that was extremely fruitful. They're very open. They're very um, reflective.
3: I've seen a number of those videos. Yeah. I thought a lot of those videos were really they were really interesting videos to watch because of what you just described. I think mm. that, and not all of them, you know, there, there were some folks that were locked down, like locked down pretty hard. But many of those kids were just in the right place, right? They're in the right place to say like, well, I'm walking around asking questions and being asked yeah. questions on a, on a regular Fucking
0: basis. liberal universities. I mean, I don't, what are we going to do? It's just ridiculous. Well, but it's
3: Texas. I mean, yeah. it's liberal. Well, I guess that's right? true. I guess yeah. that's true.
4: I'd say probably every one out of every five students that I spoke to would say that they were a, a non-believer. They were okay. atheist, And I would still ask them, can we pick a belief that you have that we can explore? I'm not just focused on God beliefs. In fact, I'll even ask people, go ahead and pick something, pick a belief that's in your head that you think is pretty much, is probably true. And I'm going to ask questions. And by the end of a five minute talk, you might actually be less confident that the beliefs that, that the belief that's in your mind is actually true. And then I moved on to a hiking trail, which I love this spot because I've been posting these videos for a while. So a Mm -hmm. lot of people will complain and say, well, you're picking on these younger adults because they're inexperienced and they, they haven't thought about these beliefs. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to use this method on older people. I started going to a hiking trail and engaging with 30, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 70-year-olds, and, and nothing's changed. <laughs> when, I, when I say that, I mean yeah. the justifications for the beliefs that they have regarding spiritual or supernatural claims right. are almost always based on very faulty, very shaky foundations. And it almost always comes down to faith.
3: Wow. That
4: is
0: that's crazy to me that, that somebody Is that a surprise to you? It is. It absolutely really? absolutely is. And I and I I think I think I'm biased Maybe, yeah. on the people that I know that were older, like my father and um and some of the people that I've met um through work and other places. The older people I feel like they're a lot harder to convince of things mm. that they are that they're just, that they just yeah, had those I would beliefs have said for the a long thing. time. Okay, yeah. So there's my father, especially my, little father, concretized. Know, my father, my father, my father, my father passed away, but before he passed away, we had many conversations about, about the mm. belief he did. He was really heartbroken that I did not believe in God anymore. I told him, I'm you know, sorry, I'm an atheist now. I decided that's just the way it is. Uh, I was never able to have a conversation with him that made him think Anything different than he already mm. thought coming into okay, the conversation. So
4: there's a distinction here. Yeah. Yes, I do agree that older people are more steadfast in their beliefs and less open to change or even considering belief revision. What I was talking about is when you actually do have a conversation with somebody and you learn the reasons for their belief and you start asking about I see. the how. How did you how did you conclude that that method, that main thing that is the reason why you believe, how did you conclude that that's true? Across the board, regardless of age, regardless of belief, the justifications that people have are shaky. I yeah. see.
5: Right? I hey, see. That, that is that's act, the
4: consistent thing. I get thing. it. I get it. Younger p- younger people are more open, generally speaking. Sure. Older people are certainly more closed. But that's a consistent thing that I
0: find. I see. I see. Yeah. So you get the book years ago. 2013. 2013. And, yeah. you, and you and you start reading the book. But I want to go back. I want to go back before you got the book. You were religious, <laughs> maybe? Were you religious?
4: I was raised here in Chicago. Okay. Uh, Italian Catholic neighborhood. All Went right. to a Catholic grade school. I, I didn't... I thought it was made up. I was in second grade. I told my mom and dad. No kidding. I said, I think God is made up like Santa. And they freaked. They, they, Did ha- they really? Yeah, they they were... Well, from what I remember, this yeah. is sort of my uh-huh. my now constructed, I think, imagination of what happened. But I'm pretty sure this is pretty accurate. But I do remember the my parents having a meeting with a, a nun and a priest to sit down and explain to anthony young anthony wow um, that no anthony god is god you know yes god's santa, a real santa thing is, santa is made up but god is actually <laughs> real and uh i remember it, this must have been 20 30 minutes and they said now do you believe anthony and i said i looked around and i i, I could see them i, I knew that this you was you could important.
3: feel the, the need yeah this was right.
4: important to them but right. i lied and i said that I, yes i believe oh, yeah. i never I did always, i was always skeptical. It wasn't really until I started having kids myself where they start to ask the questions and you start seeing the beliefs that are being instilled in people at a young age. And I'm like, you know, what what do I want my kids to think? How do I want them to think? Do I want them to question you know, what we, what we tell them? And, and of course we do. So that's when I started coming to grips with my non-belief and starting realizing what the labels mean, and oh shit, I'm agnostic and I'm an atheist, and and then, oh look at that, there's this community out here, there's people podcasting, this is wonderful. How can I help? And right around that time is when I discovered Begoshen's book.
0: I see, and so you read this book, this light goes off, and you think the light, I should try this. The right, the light
4: literally went off in my head, like it was a light bulb moment. Yeah, I was on an airplane reading it, and I was like. I started shaking. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> it was like, was that like powerful. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> so, great. I was like, whoa, w- if, if this guy is legit and, and remember when I said I wanted to go back, I actually ran into Boghossian at a com- at a conference too. It was, uh, he was speaking at FFRF, their 35th. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I saw him <clears throat> speaking and he was talking about his book. I'm like, that's just ridiculous. But I got the book and I was reading it, and I was it just dawned on me like this makes complete sense. We're butting our heads against the wall, arguing with believers, and and giving them facts, and and doing all these counter apologetics. They're not changing their mind. They seem even more convinced, and I'm walking away angry and mad. And I I burned bridges with the, my family members by doing that. I have brothers and brothers, and brother-in-law and a sister, and I've got family members that. Try to avoid they we we basically don't talk to each other anymore. Wow oh, because I've burned those bridges. Right. And if I had found this book, if I had used this method of talking to them, I'm nearly certain that our relationships would wow. be way, way, way better.
3: Wow. Yeah. So look, I'm gonna ask you a related question to that. So you've been doing this. How many interviews do you think you've done? Easily a thousand. Holy shit. Easily. So I might have a five-minute talk, a 10-minute
4: talk. Sometimes they <sighs> go 30 minutes, That's sometimes it's two hours. Jeez. But yeah, it's, it's that's amazing
3: though. That's a lot of people. A thousand five minute events. That's like four thousand seconds. Yeah, that's and a And I lot. try to, it's I do amazing. try
4: to record them all, and I save everything, but I don't upload everything. Right. So I'd oh, say I say a third of my content is uploaded. We were talking earlier about like, the sometimes you do some live shows, mm-hmm. like that really amps it up. I like it's much more difficult to sure. have a live conversation with somebody or to do SC live when you're recording it. You could say, well, that conversation was good, but she was out of focus or sunscreen on the lens or she, um, she kind of just rambled on and on. You have the luxury of of just sort of not uploading those. But I mean, I've got example after example, after example on my channel, of wonderful, loving, thoughtful, powerful conversations where we're almost crying because it was moving. And the person realized, I don't know why I have this thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, and now where do I go? where's the community that type of thing wow. like that's
3: well i want <laughs> i want to ask something you something else you know so yeah. you've done a thousand of these give or take and, mm-hmm. and you you feel like if you had employed this method with your family the rift that now exists with you and and some of your family members may not exist so i guess related to that like i i i'd, I'd love to know what's the worst this method has ever gone and what's the best this method's ever gone you know like you've had these conversations has it ever backfired on you and in, in, in a where you've where you've walked away and thought, oh, that that just that just went very
4: very poorly. Oh, sure, there have been times where the conversation went completely off the rails, and it's typically when I look back, it was the conversations <laughs> that happened three years ago, as a, as opposed to the ones that happened three months ago. So three years ago, I was very rough. I read the book and I had a concept of what I should be doing, but I was I was still. It's it's very tough to to not go fall back to the counter apologetics that mm. we spend so much time as atheists learning and reading about, and we enjoy watching that. And we enjoy watching those in debates. But when you actually use them in real life with a person, especially in a one-on-one talk. They don't work. No. So I've run into people years after I've talked to them and they still want to battle with me, like even physically battle with me because I was just such a dick to them. Wow. But generally speaking, now when I, when I use the method, um, almost always the person says that they love the talk. They want to meet again. They want to revise their definition of a, of a particular word. Or can you talk to my mom now? Because huh. really? like, I'm, a, I'm a Muslim and and we had this great conversation. My my mom has this completely different, uh, she's a she's a Christian, but it's a sort of this weird, different sect of it. And I'd really love it if you would talk to her. So all in all, it seems like it's been very well received, not only from the people that I speak with, but the the growing atheist community that seems to be getting aware of it. And even the theists, there are there are a lot of apologi- uh, apologists that weigh in on what's happening in the atheist movement, mm-hmm. and and they've had some strong opinions of street epistemology too. Uh, but it seems like they're softening on it. Like in the past, they would demonize it and, and compared sure. to jumping out and doing the like the knockout game with somebody. Like <gasps> one person actually equated it to that. No shit. Wait, wait, wait.
3: Explain that to me. They, 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 because, because I need to understand that because I don't. Because uh, I've, I've seen a number of your videos. We're, we're, we're here in person. You're a soft-spoken, respectful, measured person. That's the impression I get from every one of your videos. That's the impression I get from from having spoken to you for, you know, a, what, a half hour in the studio. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine anybody feeling that way about about the, the method you're using to interact with people. It's it's very specifically not that.
4: It's possible that when they, when they lodge that specific complaint, uh-huh. that that street epistemology is akin to the knockout game, it could be that they were looking at other examples of it, or maybe examples from Boghossian's book or possibly my videos. I think generally, I think it probably was my videos because at the time, that's pretty much all that was out there, right? And they even showed one of my videos in a church to warn people about
3: this okay. method. This
0: guy yeah. might We're, ask you questions we, and we, make you
3: feel the squirmy
4: we, squirms, we or what? We keep talking
0: about. We keep talking about method. What is the method? Let's ah, okay. let's talk about the method just for yeah. a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we, we should because people are probably like exactly what the hell? Yeah, well, what, what is this I, well, epistemology yeah. is it's it's really based off sort of the Socratic method, right? hmm mm-hmm.
4: So right, uh, typically when you see an atheist and a believer having discussion about. The believer's beliefs. It's usually here's my argument for the God, and the atheist says, "Well, that's ridiculous, or that's not evidence, or I've got evidence that shows that that's wrong." That type of approach doesn't help anybody. The street epistemology approach is: please explain to me how, the reasons why you think that this is true, and let's let's investigate the method you used to get there. And is it did you use a reliable method? So it's basically just asking questions and not like question after question after question to confuse you. Because if I can't understand why you believe it and how you concluded it, then I, I can't ask a question. So it's imperative that I listen to you. It's imperative that I repeat it back to you so that you can hear the same things that you're saying come back to you. And I'm never telling anybody what to think. I'm always asking just gentle questions sure. to dig deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and deeper and expose the foundation and, and, that, and it's, it's also just not trying to confuse the person or, or, or change the subject or anything like that. It's, it's more about, I really do sincerely want to understand how you believe it, about why, why you believe it, and how you concluded that it's true. Because if it is true, I would like to understand that. At the heart of it, it's, it's, a, it's a quest to arrive at truth. There is a chance that the person that I'm speaking to who believes that there's a God may have used a reliable method to conclude that. And I'm open to that possibility. I see. Okay. So um, being humble and, and trying recognizing that we have biases, but trying your best to set it aside mm-hmm. is so important when you're having these conversations. And it, it took me a long time like, to get there. Like, It's just so so instinctual to want to battle and to want to provide sure. counter sure. But you have to remind yourself, of what, <clears throat> what is my goal? Uh, my goal is to help the person slow down, take a second, and think about the belief that's in their mind.
3: Hey, you said earlier that that almost all the people that you talk to, you know, they kind of have the same responses. Like they're similar. They're similar. Have you ever been? Have you ever been surprised? Have, 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 have you ever been yeah. really just surprised <laughs> at, at the methodology or, or
4: tell, tell me about a time that you've been surprised. The, the, the one that comes to mind. Yeah. That's a good question. The one that comes to my mind <clears> is when I asked uh, some some young adult on a college campus, uh, you know, "What do you believe?" He said, "I believe in a god." why do you believe it? He said, well, about two years ago, I had a dream about my dog and my dog had died. And the dog, I was actually having a conversation with my dog. And at first I thought, like, I was looking at his like face to see if he was just- If he tro-
0: punking you. He was trolling you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah.
4: But he was serious. I, I really, and I was like, okay. So so that was probably the the oddest thing. But the reasons that people have for these beliefs are quite varied, and but when it comes down to it, whether it, it's evidence or they think they had, they had a personal experience, it could be anything. I mean, it, I've I've heard so many different things, but that was probably the oddest thing I think, where the guy said that his dog was talking to him in his in his dream, and that was his best evidence that his god existed.
0: What what, what about like what about people? Have you ever met anybody who's had a near death experience? Has anybody ever Mm. had a conversation with you that has been like, I had a near-death experience where like I saw the light and my grandma was there. And
4: oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, one one of the most watched videos on my channel is with a woman who she was, I think she was 32 or 30, in her 30s at the time I interviewed her. When she was in her 20s, she was drinking and she was being bad and not believing in any gods. And she fell through a ceiling and crashed 25 feet onto concrete.
3: Fuck. And, and that's, that's
0: when what she, happens when you're bad, though, Tom. That's, that's what that's, God does.
3: Really? It's very angry. I've fallen off nothing yeah. and I am <laughs> never good.
4: <laughs> she fell and, and she said that she had an experience with a God. Wow. wow. And the, the beauty of that conversation, if I remember correctly, I think her name was Kelsey, if anyone wants to look it up. Uh, was that she repeatedly kept saying when I asked her, well, how do you actually know that that was a God and just not some other explanation? She said, I, I don't know, but I just know. And it was just sort of this kind of cognitive dissonance. Right. Sure. <laughs> sure. sure. Your, your yeah. show name is so is perfect for what street epistemology ends up oftentimes mm-hmm. resulting in sure. with these people. Uh, so yeah, she, the conversation went on and on and, and by the end of it, it was evident that she really didn't have a, a very good, reliable method for concluding that her God existed. And th- this isn't about instantly deconverting anybody. No,
3: right. Okay? So right. This right. is about
4: placing a pebble in a person's shoe that they will hopefully think about the talk and maybe find better reasons to keep the belief that they have sure, or possibly just discard the belief over time.
0: But you do, but you do talk, uh, and I've seen a couple of your videos where you talk about like, At the end of this conversation, this person felt like they were 25% less believable. And then maybe we met up later and that was 50%. So you are trying to, like, there is a, there's a, you're trying to quantify the level in which they believe these things. And so that's an important level. And I was just wondering, especially when somebody's had a really moving experience, an emotional experience like that what their level of belief yeah. falling off is. How far can mm.
3: they move or do they move on that continuum?
4: Okay. So you're you're talking about a <clears> belief scale that we we people that are using street epistemology, we thought, well, how can we how can we see if what we're doing is working, is effective in some way? And I think someone along the line, I can't remember if it's Bogosian's book or somebody in the private street epistemology Facebook group, said, well, let's come up with a scale. Let's try to get a sense of where a person is before the conversation and then ask them after. Sure. So we try to get a sense of where a person is in terms of their confidence that the belief that's in their mind is true. Right. Whether they think karma is real, or they seen the leprechaun, or they think Jesus uh, died for them or whatever. Yeah. So we'll kind of get a sense of where they're at. This is a self-reported number. It's right. not perfect. Um, but it's it's a crude attempt to see if a person is changing in any way. And sure, I've had conversations with people where they said they were 100% sure their God existed because they prayed and prayer works and 11 minutes later they put themselves at about the 60%. Wow. I had another conversation with a woman who was 100% sure her god existed. I met her a week later, she self-reported at 75. I met her a week later and she reported at a 50. Wow. And she said that she would she the conversation changed the way that she would plans on raising her kids. Holy My shit. Goodness. Yeah. My goodness. This is powerful yeah. powerful stuff, which is why I'm I'm so excited to be here with you guys and, and giving this talk uh this weekend because I want to I want to try to promote this method because, from from my firsthand experience, it seems incredibly effective in in helping a person stop and reexamine how they form their belief and possibly lower their confidence in the belief.
3: Well, tell us about your talk.
4: My talk is uh, on Saturday. It's coming up. It's um, it's to the Chicago Atheist Society. My talk is called "Street Epistemology: Things That I've Learned" because I've been doing this for three years. Sure, and I, I've learned a tremendous amount of. Of background of how street epistemology seems to be the most effective, and and the things that people are doing in this movement to try to promote it, and the tools that are out there, where this is going, and um, some of the science behind it that actually backs up what we're what we're doing, that shows that this might actually be effective, and what's happening in the brain. I, I'm going to show a, a, a brain scan.
0: Oh wow! From a
4: there's a report. A, there's this really cool report that Sam Harris did with. Uh, Jonas Kaplan and Sarah. Oh, I
0: Sarah thought the brain scan was gonna be from the Bible. I didn't realize that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I, yeah. I turn
3: to the MRI pages in the Bible to see the like you know, the FMRI. Is that new Testament? That is, yeah. It's
5: new New it's Testament. It's the Neo New Testament. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: It's one of the they didn't find that one in the Dead Sea yet, but I feel like if we keep looking. I, I want to chuck a softball question
0: at you right now. All right. So you ready for this softball question? You can hit it out of the fucking park. Are you ready for this? This is where the hard one comes This is down, the right. no, this is the it's, it's two total, total
5: software.
0: <laughs> Why is this important? Why should we be doing this? you're, You're excited about it. You want to spread the word. Why is it important?
4: The why it is important is based on my assumption that people generally want to help other people and live in a world where the majority of the population believes things that are true. That's my presupposition. I'm, I'm hoping.
0: So, how did you come to that? Hold on, let's let's do a little street. <laughs> how did you come to this? six? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course, I'm kidding. We could do that if you want. No, I'm terrible at this. So, I mean. <laughs> uh, so, so that that's where I'm coming
4: from. I, I think you know the world would be a better place if people believe true things. And generally, I think when we encounter a theist who thinks that Allah is real, and we decide to debate with them more than likely we're doing so because we want to help correct their view of reality. I would imagine, unless you're just arguing with them to be a dick, which some people do, they get off on it. Like it's fun. Sure. You know, you get a lot of views and yeah. the video gets whatever. Yeah. Matt Delahunty. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> <Okay>. I'm kidding. I am kidding You know, if, if you're looking generally, I, I think people, when they engage in these discussions, they're, they're talking with people because they want to help them. and, the the method of arguing with people is not going to help them. Yeah. It's right. going to do the complete opposite. Sure. It will, it will cause them to get more entrenched in their belief.
0: So you're you're into this method. What do you think of debate then? Like that Oxford-style debate that mm. we see all the time where one theist is on one side and Christopher Hitchens or, you know, some other great Master debater is on the other side.
3: I'm a master debater. You're not, actually. You're terrible <laughs> at this. <laughs> I've been master debating since I was 15. <laughs> 15? You're late bloomer.
0: So, uh, but but we, is, this, is this really just voyeuristic, like nothing? I mean, is it really the useful? Debates? Yeah. Is it useful at oh, yeah. all, you think? Yeah.
4: So I'm sure you've talked to a lot of atheists. Ask them why they no longer believe in a God. It's more than likely because, well, maybe they were just raised to not believe. Um, or maybe they watch Christopher Hitchens or Matt Dillahunty or David Silverman arguing or doing the doing the debates. The debates have their place; they're very valuable for the people watching them on YouTube, they're, right? Or they're they're jogging, they're listening to the the debate, and they're a theist, and they're like, "That's the same argument that I would use." And that atheist just made that guy look like a fool. Like that's perfect because they can they can distance themselves from it. They're not being attacked. Sure, sure. Um, so they ha- they have their place. And I also think the debates are great for, for helping atheists better defend their position. Like I am so much more confident in defending why I'm an atheist because I've watched hours of the atheist experience. Sure, I mean, I, I love that. I don't, I've, I barely miss a show. Yeah. Even today, I, I love it. But as far as using that approach, a, a more aggressive debate approach and presenting facts and and making a big production out of it, that, that is not going to help your conversation with your aunt yeah at Thanksgiving about How, why she thinks yeah. Jesus exists.
3: How much of this is a question of venue? Like a debate has its place as something projected to an audience. Mm. Street epistemology strikes me as something that that is not meant for an audience as much as it's meant as a as a genuine authentic conversation between two humans. I used to think I used to think that S E was only for one on
4: ones, but I saw David Silverman recently have a debate with somebody and I can't remember his name. It's, very, it's like February of 2017, where I'll be damned if he wasn't asking Socratic street epistemology, outsider test for faith questions of his opponent, because Silverman's savvy enough to realize that this is being video recorded. There's an audience. Mm-hmm. I'm asking questions that my opponent seems to be dodging, but those questions will land. So in a way, he was using macro street epistemology. He he was in a venue. It was a debate. It was a one-on-one debate with That's an audience watching, but he was using a lot of the, lot. he was asking a lot of the same questions you'll see in a, in a one-on-one conversation of mm-hmm. one of my videos. And that, I was, I was screaming with joy because I, I it's great. We, we, we want to see this method being put into other uses and to be able to see it in a debate like that sure. was, was cool. Sure. It's very cool.
0: I wonder, you know, it, it, when we talk about, when you talk to people about uh, their religious belief, I suspect that a lot of times, it, it really boils down to the conversation turns out to well, who told you? Because it's one of those things that's like, well, why yeah. do you believe in God? Well, I believe in God because I read the Bible. Well, why did you read the Bible? I read the Bible because my dad told me to read the Bible, mm-hmm. and I read the Bible, and I got it, and I, I liked it, and I thought, you know, there was some good things in there, and it seems like a good way to like live your life, etc. And, and I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, the gospel speaks to me, et cetera. But at, at a certain point, it co- sort of always comes back to source material, right? Doesn't it, doesn't it always come back to, you know, there's a source material that I believe more than I believe something else? Sometimes,
4: sometimes. Uh, somebody asked me once, of the people you talk to, what percentage of people say it was because I was raised that way or because I was told it? I would say probably right off the bat, 50% would yeah. say mm-hmm. I was raised yeah. that way. But there are people who would say, no, I, I I was never raised religious. You know, my parents were atheists or whatever, and and I had this experience, and I just absolutely know that it was was Allah or that it was Jesus that was there. Sure. And then they went out and started seeking the source material. So you I never see. you never know. Like I always try to be open to never assuming, even though the majority of people say I was raised that way. Yeah. Sometimes people say that they have evidence for it. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, when you start peeling back the layers, yeah. it's. Hardly ever evidence. It's almost always faith.
0: We uh we are in a situation now politically in this country that the country is very divided, um, you know, it is? more so divided, I think, oh. than than yeah. it has been in many, many years. One of the things that I wonder is does this method, have you ever tried this method in politics? Have you ever used well, that's this a great method question. to talk to somebody about, you know, whether or not they find and the other thing, the other part of that question too, is there's also been a great deal of discrediting of a media the media for a long time mm. the media is in a lot of ways how we know mm. that's how we know so <clears throat> what uh, a second part of that question is what you know is has this uh, has that ever come up in like sort of the street epistemology sort of you know have you ever used this method to try to figure out how people know things you know based politically on yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. politically and through the media
4: these days i ask people to pick the topic we can talk about politics. We can talk about God, karma, whatever. Pick a, pick a belief. Mm-hmm. Do you think paper bags are better than plastic? Pick a belief, and we'll just I'll just ask some questions. And sometimes they do pick political beliefs that uh, they think that gl- man made global warming is real, or they think man made global warming is a hoax. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. I've had topics with people about marijuana legalization. So there's there's really no difference between a religious belief and a political be- belief. And the method of street epistemology, I really wouldn't... The main difference maybe is that they're not basing it on faith, right? Like a political belief. Usually they think they have evidence or credible sources or that type of thing. Um, Whereas when it's a supernatural claim, usually it comes down to it's an appeal to faith. And then we can start talking about the reliability of that. I do think that there's a huge untapped market. If there's anybody who's been watching street epistemology and is thinking, how can I come at this from a unique way and try something different? my recommendation would be to start going to rallies for both sides, all sides. Sure. And just start asking questions, you know, coming up with facts to show there, there was a study in 2009 that's the backfire effect where these guys took a whole bunch of, of conservative people who thought that Obama was a secret Muslim provided them with facts and they, they were dumbfounded that these, these subjects when they showed them the facts, they believed it even more that Obama was a secret Muslim. Yeah. Even though they were, here's all the right. facts, he's going to church, he's a Christian, blah, blah, blah. It backfired on them. Um, so you can definitely use these beliefs, you know, use this method with political beliefs. I, I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a much better approach to avoid that backfire effect and have the person ask themselves, you know, did I use a reliable method for forming this belief in my mind and let them do the work? So, that's the beauty of this approach is you don't need to know a lot about the Bible or the Democratic platform or the Republican platform to have these conversations. The stupider you are on the topic, the better <laughs> it is for you. It really is. I'm going to crush this. You are going to kill it. <laughs> I, this is, kill this it. is my method. It's, more, it's it. more of a liability. If you, if you know the Bible inside and out or the Quran and you can cite verses and you can do all this, that, that, that will hamper your progress because it's not about that. Yes, you need to know that they think that God exists because the Bible's true. But when you start asking about how did they determine that the Bible's true, that's, that's when you, you need to move off the verses into something deeper.
0: So I want to ask, have you ever had a situation where, where somebody has been threatening or violent towards you because of this? Because this is, you know, you're shaking foundations of people's right. beliefs. I mean, this is a big deal. Has anybody ever had a, re- I know we had talked about negative reaction, but I'm talking about like,
3: you ever gotten physical or physical emotionally or, aggressive? Yeah. Um, a couple of the Earth street
4: preachers early on, because because I was very aggressive with them. Sure, like I was I was debating with them, I was yelling at them and saying faith is unreliable and you guys are fools and all oh, this stuff. And of course, yeah. I was just asking for it, and they, they used to do a little pushing and shoving and that type of thing. Um, it's so rare these days. So what what's more typical is that I might because I, I give a card at the end of the talk. Sometimes I hear I, I hear back from people very frequently. One, Do you really? One out of seven times, somebody messaged me, me back, they want to meet again. Whoa. Wow! Yeah, it's insane. Sometimes they say, uh, I can't believe you were asking me those questions and I spent the whole night crying and I'm, I'm in the bathroom now. And I, I was thinking about, I had this vision of me smashing you with a chair and you, they're kind of like going through the stages of grief. Almost, yeah, sure. You know, yeah, right? yeah. But, um, but then you're at that point, like I'm obligated to keep, I just can't just walk away from that. Like I try to keep engaging with them and be right. there you for You open their door, right? Yeah. yeah you right. have a
3: responsibility to it. That, yeah.
4: And I'm talking about mm-hmm. that as well on Saturday. So, so yeah. Um, so you do get that a little bit, but generally it's, it's so rare. Most people greatly enjoy the talk. It's not confrontational. It's not, it's not awkward. They really—you would think that it would be because I'm asking about it, the deepest,
0: darkest sure, sure. belief
4: that they have, and and in, in, in making them question it yeah. and making them doubt.
0: And it's something that's kind of off the table for a lot of people to talk about. There's a few things that are just off the table. You just don't bring up.
4: But see, that's that's why I think people enjoy talking about it because they're not allowed to. And when and maybe that's one of the benefits of talking to a stranger as opposed to somebody that you know is that. Maybe they feel a little safer with you, even though I'm recording it. It's it's baffling, but sure, they it's amazing how people will quickly open up to you and tell you that, you know, some of their deepest uh, things.
3: You know, I'm just wondering, like, is there a, um, <clears throat> and I, I know Cecil, you've got a question that's related to this, but it, it, is there a way to use these uh, techniques of street epistemology and the Socratic method um, in a in a systematized way for self introspection, like so so without engaging somebody else.
4: In fact, um you know. that's that's my recommendation. Uh, if so a lot of people say, and I even wrote a blog post about this on the streetepistemology.com website,
1: mm-hmm.
4: where um, people say, "Well, you know, I've seen you have these conversations with believers, but I'm an atheist and my wife is a believer and and she wants to raise our kids to be believers. I want to have this conversation. I want to ha- that that special moment I've seen you have with a stranger, I want to have that with my spouse. How do I do it?" And and sometimes those those beliefs, especially like the deep ones with a, with a loved one, can be very hard to even talk about. like they, they people, people people's spouses have started crying when they said, can we have a talk about why you believe in, in the God and they'll just break down a cry. So my recommendation there is is start having conversations about every other claim that that person has or makes or mm-hmm. somebody else makes and just just be make that a common thing you know try, just teach them the method so that they'll use it on the on the same tame everyday beliefs. Um, the safe beliefs that, that happen every day. Um, and then eventually I think that they'll start using them on themselves.
0: So if people are gonna find the method, how would they find it now? I know it's in Boghossian's book, Peter Boghossian's book, A Manual for Creating Atheists. That's the first place you found it, but right. there's gotta be better sources out there now. Oh my gosh. And it's probably refined at this point a little bit, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. So I I, I had the pleasure of helping Boghossian and a team of other people work on an app that he created based on his this, book. Is
0: this the Atheos app?
4: yeah. Have you heard about it? I have heard about <laughs> it. Yeah. So it's a great app. Um, I found myself while I was helping to build the app and come up with questions, I would then go out the next weekend to use street epistemology. Now, and I was that much more prepared because I use the app. So the app is awesome. There's a, there's over 2000 or 3000 people who are interested in this method that are on the private street epistemology, Facebook group. I've mentioned the website, StreetEpistemology.com. There are, Probably ten other people that are now uploading content. Oh wow! And they're they they have different styles. It's not like the Magnasco sure. style, but they're trying different things, which is great. We want other people trying this. And uh, there's a woman that's doing it, and uh, somebody in France, and all over the country, that people are doing it, uploading content. So there are there are tutorials, there are examples. There's an app. I mean, there's and there's some some exciting new things coming down the w- the road too. That's great. Really cool.
0: That's yeah. great. If people are going to find your YouTube page,
4: where would they look? The easiest way to get to my YouTube page is find me on Twitter first. Okay. And then if you look at my bio, I've got a link to my top 10 videos. Okay. So oh, the, great. Of the 3,000, <clears> it's not 3,000, sorry. Of the 300 that I've uploaded, uh, my top 10 are there. So if you're short on time and you want to just check out one or two, okay. be the place to go. we'll
0: put that on the show notes. This is show 353. So we'll put that on your show notes. We'll put your Twitter there. We'll put streetofpistapology.com. We'll put as many links as we can to send people this. Anthony, it has been an amazing conversation. Good luck with this. And and the, anytime you're in Chicago, come visit us.
4: Oh, awesome. And the uh, invitation is the same for you guys. You guys ever blow through Texas or San Antonio?
3: They don't let us back. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a
1: whole thing.
3: It's a whole yeah. thing. You know, when they you say sh- don't mess you, with you Texas. You we shit did. in the Alamo
0: one time. I know, right? And that's what happened. That was you guys? So- yeah, <laughs> that time. Thanks for joining us, Anthony. Thanks so much. Yeah, My pleasure, guys so Tom
3: yes Cecil I'm always curious how
0: you're going to intro this portion of the program. Springtime, it is. It's it's a time that you would take someone and put them on a swing outside. Oh, I see. You know what I mean?
3: Like you know, sometimes spring spring has sprung. Spring has sprung. Swing has sprung. (laughs) Swing has come. (laughs) Swing. Who knows? I don't
0: know. And it it can wash out a little (laughs) if you use cold water and probably some cleaner from AdamAndEve.com. (laughs) Gloria, checkout. (laughs) <laughs> we love our sponsor Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve uh allows you to explore your sexuality, uh to do it in a private way, to get it delivered to your door to to have fun with your sex life. And uh and Adam and Eve is going to give you 50% off just about any item you can get uh a tons of different stuff from there. Uh we've had people send us messages saying they've gotten vibrators, they've gotten Fuck socks. They've gotten, you know, <laughs> got whatever they call those pocket pussies or whatever. They've right. gotten
3: lube. They've gotten lingerie. Yeah. Hey guys, why do you send us emails telling us what kind of sex stuff you buy? <laughs> you know, we have been mean to talk to you I about don't that. Know. Yeah. I don't know. But, I think we're just we're just touting how private it is. Yeah. Some of you guys need to take that message home. <laughs> I'm just saying. But if you do feel private, yeah. you're clearly not one of our listeners. Yeah. But uh, you yeah. can go to admineve.com. You can a Gloria at checkout. You can buy all the kinky shit that gets you off, all the kinky shit that gets your partner off, yeah, and you can get a free fucking sex swing, and you can fuck in the fucking sex swing. Yeah. And get 50% off any item. The sex right. swing's free, right. so you get 50% off any item,
0: and you'll get free shipping. So check it out. Gloria, check out. That's G-L-O-R-Y at adamandeve.com. So, Tom, um, we are... A couple chapters into our two books. Indeed. Mine is uh Ray Comfort's uh, hundred science facts, the fucking Bible never told you about it. <laughs> and yours is Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard. Um I'm getting closer to becoming clear, my friend. how many, how many questions do you have this week? I've got four. Four questions. All right. So uh why don't you go first? We'll we'll cover Dianetics first and then we'll cover Ray Comfort to
3: wrap it up. All right, buddy. Here we go. Cecil. What is the goal of man? The dynamic principle of existence? Pussy. A. <laughs> butt stuff. We were on the same way like, it's A. B. Two chicks at one time. It's B. Three. To finally Three get some goddamn peace and quiet. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's like, again.
0: I'm, right, you know, with kids, it's a lot different. Right, but I understand. I understand where you're coming from.
3: That's after the two chicks, yeah, with the butt exactly. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, you, you gotta make, relax. You kids with two chicks and butt stuff. <laughs> that no, one? wait, no. I say <laughs> no, peace and quiet is what I meant. Fuck. D infinite survival, butt stuff. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> L- Ron, infinite? totally into it. Infinite survival. That's the goal. That, of, no, no, I think that's when
0: you go. Up down up down left right left right A B start is that
3: almost infinite? That's thirty survivals. Okay, that's thirty survivals.
0: What about when you jump on that turtle shell, and and then it eventually just gives up on numbers and gives you a heart
3: question mark? (laughs) (laughs) You're more patient than I am. Uh, See, so what would be the optimum survival characteristics of various life forms? Hey, What the fuck, dude? Le- okay, should I read it again? Are we slow? <laughs> <What> are the- <laughs> I even I, you do need to read it again. So, By the way, these are actual rhetorical questions. He, he writes with rhetorical questions. Okay, This book has been a joy to do this quiz with because he writes by posing rhetorical questions and then clumsily fumble-fuck answering them. So my questions are all his questions. Okay, I see. So, so you're not see, doing so- any work is what you're saying. Right. I've fucking outsourced <laughs> this to L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard's from the grave, like, good job, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I fucking I made somebody yeah. on fucking Sea Org write this for me. <laughs> then I beat him with a L. Ron's, toothbrush over
0: screaming from the volcano, good <laughs>
3: job, Tom. So, one more time for the slow kids for the of the slow audience. Kids, that's me. What would be the optimum survival, optimum survival characteristics, characteristics of various life forms? Various life forms. Hey. Laser eyes. That's it. (laughs) I admittedly. B, a scorpion tail. Again. C, worthwhile. Rocket launcher hands. Okay. Yeah, no. D, other shit my 10 year old makes up. (laughs) Or E, just lots of different stuff. Seriously, variation. That's the fucking answer. Variation is the optimum survival characteristic of various life forms. Rocket hands. Rocket hands. (laughs) <laughs> uh,
0: why the- have we not evolved into rocket hands yet? That's what Ray would ask. Maybe you haven't. Why haven't we evolved into pinchy rocket hands?
3: What I want to know is really why aren't we all Inspector Gadget? Yeah. Right? <laughs> dun, dun, I just want to be dun. like, go, go, Gadget, and then my body transforms into some machine part. <laughs> Fucking like <laughs> propellers come out of my hair, or whatever. The fuck. That'd be amazing, right? That'd be amazing. It'd be you- so useful. You'd be able to finally reach things on the top shelf. I don't think so. <laughs> That's really high out there, man. What is the ultimate pain and what is the ultimate pleasure? So it's two answers in each answer. Listening to
0: this quiz
3: and then masturbating. (laughs) Okay, A, one answer. Both questions. Again, butt stuff.
0: (laughs) I guess it depends on your perspective. Yeah, right. depends. No, that's fair. Which end of that equation, right? fair.
3: B, sugar in my goddamn coffee and... A never-ending supply of goddamn coffee. All right. No, that's fair. C, listening to Eli order food Uh-huh. and watching his heart silently break when the scent of bacon wafts his way. <laughs> or D, existing just before death and immortality, one of which I will note we have already done and didn't notice, and the other of which is the pleasure and actually sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh is it? It's yeah. bacon. All right,
3: but here's the stumper, and I, I think the I've stumper. got you on this one. Which of these is a real sentence copied from the book Dianetics? All right. Here we go. A. What is primarily interrogated in the question of being is that being which has the character of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, buddy. That's Heidegger. B. A pleasure which reacts to injure the body physically, as in the case of debauchery, discovers at work a ratio between the physical (laughs) effect, which is depressed toward pain, and the mental effect of the experienced pleasure. C. Pain is the absence or removal of the habits of pleasurability, which can be understood to be of finite consequences through, but not always toward, the ultimate dynamic of survival. Or D., the fact of the survivability of man is evidence of his regression from pain, though his this regression should be thought of as holistic rather than individualist. You wrote this. You wrote two of these. Uh huh. Oh, good for you.
0: Right. I, good for
3: you.
5: Yeah. I know, right?
0: Uh, B is the one for the original. It is. Yeah. Oh, damn
5: you! <laughs> I thought I did good. I thought these were. You, this was were a, good. I used these. I used good. all his buzz jibber jabs. They we're good, but damn you
0: but b is
3: damn bad. you i'm going to get you one of these it's a long book motherfucker and this bit doesn't end until
0: i win okay that's fair that's fair we're going to we're going to stop and listen to ray comfort uh this is adam reeks from the herd mentality podcast reading as ray comfort uh, a Aussie reading as a Kiwi and all the Kiwis love it. <laughs> so here we go. This is uh this yeah, is a sheep writing or is, whatever.
3: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bang them uh, us
5: get, a keyboard.
0: They get down from the fucking from Mordor up there and after <laughs> right? throwing their rings in and they're like, I hate stuff.
6: <laughs> all right, here we go. Oh, this chapter has a picture in it, a picture of a smiling man with a thermometer that wouldn't have existed at the time, but anyway, and he's covered in some sort of hideous, life-threatening disease, but he's got, like, he's smiling like a uh, Gary Glitter, at a young lady who's also smiling back like a Gary Glitter victim. Uh, that was my touch. I got Raylene to draw that. She's very good at drawing acne. Oh, God. All right, let's read this. Bold. The Bible and the laws of quarantine, and bold. Long before medical science discovered the importance of quarantine of persons with infectious diseases, the Bible <laughs> instigated them. In 1490 BC, the scriptures tell the children of Israel what to do if a man has leprosy. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean, He shall dwell alone. (laughs) Without the camp, shall his habitation be? Leviticus thirteen colon forty six. Laws of quarantine were not investigated by modern men until the seventeenth century.
3: That doesn't. Yeah, we're scared of people that look all fucked up. We're scared of like fucking fifteen
0: hundred B.C. And you knew. Like the thing is, is like people knew. That shit was transmissible. And it's transmissible. They didn't know how it was transmissible. Right. But just because they, they affected quarantine before we figured out the germ theory of disease doesn't mean that it like there wasn't, they didn't have like ways in which to tell that quarantine wasn't efficacious.
3: Dude, it's fucking self-evident. Somebody's got fucking leprosy. All fucked up looking. Like, fucking want to hang out with that guy? No. Hang out with you every week. Hey, hey. <laughs> That's clearing up. <laughs> it's clearing. You are a clear. (laughs) I'm taking (laughs) leprutane.
6: During the devastating black death of the 14th century, patients who were sick or dead were kept in the same room as the rest of the family.
0: Yeah, but I think that that was more cultural than anything else, right? Like, again, we're talking about cultural. Like, and, and, And didn't they, I thought that they... And again, I'm I'm not sure about this. I, again, the, the, you know, because it's cloudy. When you read stuff, you don't know whether or not like it's something that you you know might be apocryphal. It might not have mm-hmm. bring a ring of truth to it. But I thought that they would they would seal the family in with them
3: because they thought that they were all infected. Yeah, like right? fuck that shit. Yeah. Like the fucking little Joey's got it, and the fucking rest of the family's gonna get it. Fucking. Cask of a mantiyado and exactly, seal those right. fuckers that's up with that's what there, i thought that's
0: what i thought they did again people i'm man. sure that there's i'm sure there's a historian out there that knows that whether or not that's true i don't personally know but i i th- i could have yeah. sworn i read that but somewhere. it's
3: also like he's treating like the entire world, like it was just fucking Europe, like yeah. like the, all the rest of the rest of the fucking sure. people in the world just didn't exist. And during this one time in history, in a small sliver of the fucking known world, Europe, yeah, like oh, they did this thing different, they and that's fucking indicative yeah. of a fucking thing. It's not indicative of anything. <laughs> Except you're a dick. That's it's what indicative of. Rationalization. This whole fuck's wrong awful. with you.
6: People often wondered why the disease was affecting so many people at one time. They attributed these epidemics to bad air or evil spirits.
3: Yeah, and the fucking Bible attributed to no attribution. They <laughs> just fucking go away. They just like citation needed. Right? Yeah.
6: Because Pat Robertson told them at the time and he was around them. However, careful attention to the medical commands of God as revealed in Leviticus, would have saved untold millions of lives.
3: No, when it was spread by fleas! It would have saved nobody! It was spread by fleas! Right. It was spread by fleas! If you fucking... Unless you quarantine the fleas!
6: Arturo Castiglione wrote about the overwhelming importance of the biblical medical law. The laws against leprosy in Leviticus 13 may be regarded as a as, as like the first model of sanitary legislation. Open brackets, a history of medicine. In brackets, Grant uh, Jeffrey, the signature of God. I included a like a reference there. It looks very good. <laughs> Thank
0: you, Adam. That shit is That's amazing. Great. That shit is fucking amazing. All right, so I have two questions. Two I'm short questions. I'm gonna fucking knock you. these you out, the knock park, out of the boy. park. In the chapter, Ray says that this line is proof that God warned us about the germ theory of disease, and that we had to use running water to be clean. "Quote: When a man is cleansed from his discharge, he is to count off seven days for his ceremonial cleansing, and he must wash his clothes and bathe himself with fresh water, and he will be clean. What does God warn us to do in the following line of the Leviticus? Okay, so that was one part. That's of Leviticus. really a thing in Leviticus. That's the thing in Leviticus. What is my discharge? I hey now. Hey, well, hey now. Uh, I've, that's hey now. cleared up. Hey now,
3: I'm not a sailor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the next line in Leviticus warns us to do something else. So okay, this is All the right. next line. The next line warns us to kill like every gay person. <laughs> yes. B, that you should bring turtle doves to a priest waiting in a tent nearby. Probably. C, to store grain in the pyramids. (laughs) Or D, that if the priest's daughter becomes a prostitute, then you should probably burn her to death. I take that back. You should definitely burn her to death.
3: Oh, my God. It's the turtle doves. It is the turtle doves. You just show up with birds? However.
0: You just show up with birds? However, except for the pyramids thing, those other two are in Leviticus. The gay killing people yeah, right. and then burning prostitutes that happen to be rabbis' daughters. What the? Those are both in Leviticus. Fucking. Those are real. What? They just happened. They just didn't happen to be the next sentence, Tom. Yeah. How do you? The Bible teaches <laughs> us about blood clotting, according to Ray. How does it do this? A, it gives the optimal amount of stones to throw at an adulterer to outpace the scabbing. (laughs) B, it tells us how long blood sits in a cup before it develops a skin, which is related to clotting speed. C, it tells us the perfect day to cut off the tips of our imperfect penises. Or D, it takes one part blood, one part vaginas, then mixes in misogyny.
5: D. No.
3: it's the blood clotting on a cup thing? No, it's penises. Wait, what? Eight days, they say
0: you're supposed to snip what? off your peepee. And no. that's the perfect day for blood clotting what? and immune systems or something. That's what he said in the book. I don't know if that's true, but...
3: I'm making a face that I, I wish could translate. I'm I know. fucking actually dumbfounded yeah. by this. yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. Like, like, like seriously, I'm, I'm having them, like I'm having a genuine moment of g- real confusion. Yeah, no, that's that's how
0: we know that that uh the Bible taught us about blood clotting before we knew what blood clotting was because it told us the day in which we were supposed to snip off peepee's. <laughs> yeah, no, there's like a there's like an optimal day, they think, that you cut off a dick and that day is eight days, I think. At least that's what it said in the tiny little book that Ray Comfort wrote. Um, that <laughs> it's eight days. Eight days after the baby's born. That the, the baby's born His you, blood clots more much better. And so you snip the dick off then and it won't bleed the baby to death or something. But after eight days it starts to like the blood doesn't clot as well he says. Or so something. it doesn't, like there's a magic there's clotting. There's a magic eight day mark. And, and Ray Comfort thinks that's it's like, real? It's like when you got your McDLT and the cold side was cold and the hot <laughs>
3: side was hot. It's like that
0: except for it's a penis, and you're using a blunt instrument to chop part of it off.
3: Okay, that makes me
0: exceptionally uncomfortable yeah. to think about, yeah. but I'm still... How did they do it back then? Did they just bang a rock against it? Like, how did they... I Can you know, imagine man. the fucked up looking dicks back then? <laughs> like, none of those guys could do porn. You know what I mean? Like, they're all, like, weird, jagged. They got, like, some of them got mullets, some of
3: right? them don't. It's just a weird... Yeah. No kidding, right? Yeah. There would be... And plus, like, they didn't have anything antibacterial. Sure. Right? So they're not even using, like, proper fucking knives and shit. They're but just the blo- fucking using donkey teeth or whatever fucking garbage <laughs> they have. They put a carrot in there. And the just... <laughs>
0: All right. So next week, more of this. <laughs> donkey teeth. Thank you. Thank you, Adam, again, for reading for yeah, us. Man, it was really funny.
7: It is just insanity. But we're on the course of insanity. And... If we do this, there is a judge in heaven, and that judge in heaven is going to take vengeance against those who damage Israel. That's what the Bible says.
3: This story a right we watch is uh, Dave Coach. Da Coach. Not
5: a Coach. Not a Coach. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a hat. He's got he a Coachy, does, Coachy hat. A, coachy. A coachy Actually,
0: I watched hat this hat. video I think he has to take his hat off indoors. Oh, my so gosh. Yeah, he's, so, If he's borrowing somebody's Wi-Fi, he has to follow their rules. <laughs> so.
3: so this is uh, Dobbin Meyer. Blames, this is so weird, he blames Trump's Jewish daughter and son-in-law for the U.S. airstrike on Syria. Which
5: daughter? The one that looks like an elf or the one that looks like a pug? The one. The big issue, I'm going to stick my toe in the water here, is <laughs> a, he should get a more a unobtrusive... Barrel.
0: He's a cracker bro. Is that where he's at?
5: I don't know. He's using he's, he's like clearly, using, he's clearly
0: yeah.
3: using free Wi-Fi. Right. Like, there's I, no way that's not free Wi-Fi. Right? Yeah, because he's showering there later. Yeah. Like, this is a guy who's taking a fucking whores bath in the yeah. sink. I just want right? you, I
0: just want you to pay attention to what he's saying in public. Okay, just listen to what this man has to say. In public,
3: I am glad though that he's wearing an unobtrusive headset and yeah. microphone. <laughs> Let's say he's he like a plane. defensive coordinator gonna, for something, like he's gonna call something His in. Surface like surface isn't working on the sidelines, he's curious right? about Just it. Tackle a guy yeah. or whatever that <laughs> run <means>. the play, <laughs> Just win the points, <laughs> score the foot touch, or however that is. I don't know.
5: The nation of Israel. I'm gonna make a lot of people mad because I know we have a lot of Israel lovers in Christianity. And it, Hey, hang on a minute. You're
3: you're feeding information to us without feedback. So why would we? Hang on a minute. Oh, don't interrupt don't me. Interrupt me. Said somebody monologuing <laughs> on a
5: recorded episode. The fact that I criticize a black man doesn't make me racist.
3: It does if you call him the n-word. Yeah. Though I found that out. That's the not, worst
0: way. Right, to that's not, it's not the yeah, worst way. Don't do that. He got punched out by Ishmael's pillow. <laughs>
5: The fact that I criticize a white uh, a, a woman does not make me a misogynist. But if she's a white woman, it does. Yeah.
3: And if you criticize her vagina, <laughs> specifically, it means you haven't seen one.
5: <laughs> the fact that I criticize a homosexual does not make me homo erotic. <laughs> he doesn't know what to say.
0: I thought he said first a homeless sexual.
5: <laughs> I thought that's what he said.
0: I was like, "Well, that's Wait, a- only have sex with homeless people. Ooh, that's weird. Oh, so stinky.
5: Oh, gosh." i gotta use, I got to use your diarrhea as lube. Oh, That's God. weird. <laughs> just, I mean, it's not awful, but it's weird. It's weird. It's yeah. phobic. And the fact that I criticize Jews does not make me anti-Semitic. Is that okay? Can somebody give me a thumbs up on that? Would that be okay that, if we just told the truth? And why is it in America today, the only group that you cannot criticize are the Jews? <laughs> You're in a fucking middle of the place it's talking about. Criticizing the, the, Jews. Jews. the Jews The
0: Jews Oh God, he's got to be in a friendly place Like I said, like Cracker Barrel Like an anti-Semitic place Some, like Cracker some Barrel. racist location yeah, yeah, like Exactly.
3: A, yeah, where all the racist truck drivers yeah. go <laughs> They're always a racist truck driver breakfast joint That's what it is It's a welcome sign Not
0: all not all people that go to Cracker Barrel are racist Just most of them Yeah, not. the
5: servers aren't <laughs> Some of them The black ones <laughs> Ooh, I feel it right now. I feel that thing trying to creep over the top of me right now. What? What is he talking about? He's talking about homeless sexuals. And our entire foreign policy in America has changed ever since 1948. He's in a McDonald's or something. He, I, yeah, I know. Like, there's a fucking red box behind yeah, him. There's a, yeah, he's
0: somewhere because I, I keep seeing like a TV or something behind him, and it looks like there's a coffee maker back there.
3: Yeah, he's he's fucking at the West. This end, is a free. Right? There's situation. like, a, yeah, I'm he's serious. gonna make a waffle in yeah, exactly, seconds. Exactly right. There's a breakfast buffet.
0: I've never had a food in any of those things that are free. That's worth the cost.
3: Now, hang on. I will challenge you on that. You can occasionally get a mealy red delicious apple, an underripe or overripe banana. That's true. Or
0: the underripe is more common, though, Yeah, because I think they just throw them out once they start turning yellow.
3: (laughs) (laughs) They are really underripe. They're like, hey. Where's more? We got any more green bananas? You know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, would you like a breakfast plantain? I <laughs> don't want a breakfast plantain. We can't make it into like, a smoothie at least. Right. There's like a huge fucking container of balance bars. I just steal those and throw them in my bag. I'm like, I'll take these later. And then like lukewarm fucking turned yogurt.
0: That's it. There's never, I've never been to a free, like a complimentary thing in the morning and been like, that was good.
3: No, it, it's not even. It's not even this good. It's like I don't think I have food poisoning. That's yeah. when you walk out, you're like, I'm probably gonna like cause it. And Your the thing is, like rock paper scissors with the lady behind the yeah. thing, hoping you win. <laughs> it's like I got a one in three chance to get food poisoning right. here. Yeah. It's like because it, I'll, I'll I'll occasionally see those. I'm not partaking them. Like especially during like if I'm traveling for work. Yeah, I'm like, oh well, should I? And I always have that moment where it's like maybe. And It's like no. I don't want to shit my pants in a conference room today. You know, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to don't it. I don't want to dry yeah. clean
0: that out of my suit. And later on, when I'm having homeless sex, I don't want to do it then, too. You know what I mean? I do want it then. No, but then better. No, you really only want one pi- party with diarrhea during yeah, a sexual me.
5: act. Yeah. <laughs> you want answers? I think I'm entitled. To. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth.
3: All right, this is from Right Wing Watch. This is Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner Cecil can't understand why people get so worked up just because Putin had some people <laughs>
7: knocked off. <laughs> Jesus hey, Christ! Here we go.
0: This is Rick Joyner.
7: And I think we're making some real progress, but there's a, a awful lot going on. There's still an awful lot of ground to be taken um, by the new administration. They're making really good progress,
3: but they yeah. in what fucking way? I mean, I guess they. They 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 got their Supreme Court guy in right. I mean, got GoRuck Shots or whatever initials. the fuck is it? Yeah, they, they fucking dropped the missiles. they dropped oh, the, the biggest, first ever the biggest non nuclear weapon nuke in Afghanistan. So, so
0: that's that blew good. Up something. Oh, I, I didn't see it blow up anything though. I have no I have no confirmation that the bomb actually blew up. It's probably fake news. So. Pro-
3: <laughs> I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. It's probably a false flag it's bomb. A false
0: flag bomb. I'm skeptical it was, of it. Yeah. I'm skeptical that it was actually dropped. It was probably dropped by terrorists on themselves.
5: (laughs) That's probably what happened.
3: (laughs) ISIS probably blew themselves
0: up. ISIS blew themselves up and then blamed it on Assad, who blamed it on Putin, who swallowed a fly to catch the...
7: Still unbelievable inside opposition. People left over from previous administrations that are just... Fighting and and doing everything they can to hinder progress. One of the things that I think people don't
0: understand is that they don't get brand new people. Those that I thought I read, and I don't know. People in the audience might be able to correct me on this, but I could have sworn I heard maybe it was on NPR or I read somewhere that the reason why they don't replace like the FBI director and the CIA directors all the time is because they have like terms, like when they get appointed, they get appointed for a certain oh, number of that. time, like amount of time. I'm not sure, but I thought I heard that on somewhere. I'm not, I'm not going to look it up. So if somebody sends us the message, I'll let, I'll certainly read it on the air. Actually, I, I actually know those were appointed I had stations. thought that that was, well, how else would it get it then?
3: I just thought you moved your way up the ranks to Oh, that FBI might be too. That could be too I director. guess, I
0: guess. Um, so I don't I, I never really had I, I I had thought that what happened was is that they were appointed but they were appointed at a on a schedule that they're they kind of have like almost a term like it's like 10 years or something okay. so it, it spans longer than that president can do it and then it's a half a year in or two years into their term or something I got you, you. know what I mean like yeah. so it's like it's like there's no way to get rid you can't just get rid of them if they're you know like say investigating things sure
3: right yeah if maybe you had ties to Russia during yeah. your Campaign, for example, like if you're just throwing something out there.
7: It's amazing. I mean, you're talking about thousands of people, many of which are in key positions and have got to be replaced. And uh, you know what the definition of treason is? Removing
0: sanctions on Russia in exchange for <laughs> hacking into yeah
3: your opponent's uh, 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 yeah, email, yeah. right? I think to I, influence an election that might be treason. To be elected that might be by treason. a minority of the voters maybe. It no. be treason. Possibly. I don't know. Won't matter. Hmm. Won't make a fucking difference. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's going to make no difference. Yeah, at all. no.
0: Yeah. I, I have a feeling like even if even if something comes out that, which it may or may not, right? It may or may not be a real thing. I don't know if it's true. I don't sure, know. Sure, we don't, don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. know
3: what like what I think level. it would be treason if it were true. But even right? if it,
0: even if it came out, I don't think that they would impeach him.
3: Oh, I don't think he's impeached at this point. No, no. no. I, I think, think this is keep just, him in. yeah, he's our garbage president for a while yeah. still until he dies because he's fucking old and fat. <laughs> that's a more of a
0: possibility than anything No, yeah, I mean, else. I
3: really think it's, a po- I, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm joking, but, but kind of not. He's getting a lot of exercise
0: golfing though. So oh I, my think, God. I think, he's, that's, that's I'm good.
3: just, I'm gratified that he's the oldest seated president Yeah, and he's fucking fat and useless and doesn't exercise. (laughs) And he's said that he doesn't like to exercise. He is. Because other people his age exercise and then they fucking fuck up their knees. He's totally fucking said the reason he doesn't exercise, he doesn't want to get hurt exercising. That's not how that works. He's My dad doesn't exercise His body is garbage. He can't fucking move. (laughs) My dad's body is a sack of broken glass. Basically, every piece of him is a half decent sack. My my dad is sixty nine years old. He needs the chair that helps you stand up. No shit. Yeah, he's got the he's got the fucking standy city chair chair to
0: take him upstairs.
3: He's got a fucking first floor, single floor, only one floor home. And to get in and out of his lazy boy, he's got a button. It's like how does he get it out of his car? I'm fucking carefully, I hope, because I really like him. He doesn't. Yeah. he doesn't have a lifty seat for his car. He doesn't have a lifty seat for his car, but he's got a lifty seat for his house. His house. So the house comes up to meet him, and then right. Goes back well, but my dad's the same. My dad is the same mindset, right? He's like, he tried to exercise. He twisted his knee, and he's like, well, fuck that. I'm going to hurt my fucking knee if I do it. So that's it there's no more of that I work out with a 65 year
0: old dude in my gym today we had to do 2,000 meters on the rower and he did it in nine minutes
3: and he's 60 fucking he's 65
0: years old. years old yeah he's working out he runs every morning he runs between five and ten miles and then he works out in the afternoon with me with
3: you yeah, yeah. I told my dad I was I, I was doing a, a thing He's 65 yeah. years old. I told my dad I was sore. And he's like, oh, you're pushing yourself too hard if you're getting sore. No. And I was like, Dad, that's not how this, that's not how any of this, just, this is why your body is a sack of broken glass. Can you just grind
0: him up for protein powder
7: and then just just take him? One of our guys read it yesterday. It is... Actually, trying. No, it was Bobby Conner that read it. He nobody cares. Jesus Christ! Jesus I think it was Christ. Little Joey Junior. Little fucking get Bobby on Biscuits with it, Santa. Or whatever. What the fuck? It is the attempt to overthrow a duly elected government, or a you know a government that is legitimate government. Any attempt to overthrow. Such a government is treasonous? Yeah, no shit. Okay, the attempt to
3: overthrow the government would be fucking treasonous. To that, oh, is that your legal yeah. definition? Yeah. Did you call Andrew Torres for that? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, I, I attempted to overthrow the government. Was that potentially treasonous? Yeah, fucking hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Holy shit! That's your fucking swift legal analysis. Ugh. Jesus Christ! You fucking hill person. <laughs>
7: And we've got a lot of people seriously doing treasonous things you now.
3: Wait, are they trying to take over the
0: government, or are they are they fucking criticizing the government? Because those are two Same different thing. things. Fake news, fake news. That's what's crazy about that is that that people will equate the two things. They'll say, "Oh, well, it's treasonous." It's not treasonous to just insult the per- people in the government or to criticize their actions. That's not treasonous That's at treason.
3: all. That's treason. That's treason. If you don't like what the government is doing, then you are overthrowing the government by making
7: fun of them. I don't hope it won't get to the point of um, treason, treason, the actual treason,
0: <laughs> please say treason, maybe a tea party,
3: Sedition.
7: you know, where people are going to have to be charged and dragged down. Some need to be, some have done things so illegal.
3: I hope it doesn't get to the point, but this needs to happen. What I hope some need to be, Dragged out? Dra- yeah. Some of these treasonaires, that's what they're called, The trees or treasonites. They all wear the same leather jacket. <laughs> and they
0: carry, they wear their hair the same way. And they have a flashy gang sign that right? looks
3: like a T. They actually they actually dance a uh, knife fight. They're like, they when you're a jet, ju- you're a
7: jet. Yeah, okay. All right, treasonaire. But just yesterday, some of the things that came out in the news, it again came out. Uh, Gusifer, Gusifer—he's like Lucifer. He just has a longer neck. And <laughs> <laughs> did you grab <laughs> Lucifer's ass? When he's not looking. <laughs> I don't like that name, but but it is—it's another organization that has been incredibly accurate with the stuff they put out. And they also agreed with Assange that the DNC staffer that was murdered last year was the one who leaked the DNC emails. To WikiLeaks, which is what Julian Assange said. That guy was murdered. And of course, DC police covered it up saying it was just a a murder. Just a just a <laughs> a robbery. But they they didn't rob him of anything, didn't dig his wallet, didn't dig his They robbed his, money. his life. <laughs> money whoever did, he was just murdered. And it was a cover up, obvious cover up. Oh great. Thanks. It's, yeah. No. Thanks for that.
3: I decided that it yeah. was different than what the police decided, and I know better because yeah. what did you investigate the body? Were you there? do they did Lucky. they call up like the fucking blue and red lights are going? Out, like somebody call Rick Joyner make sure he gets his fucking two cents in. He will never contaminate the crime scene with his fucking <laughs> beard hair. <laughs> He's gotta wear one of those things. <laughs> He's gotta wear like one a- of the nets
0: around his beard, <laughs> like when they make your muffins.
3: <laughs> the homeless people make your muffins. <laughs> Where do you get your muffins? <laughs>
0: I get, the after, I, get, I, get them, I get them after homeless bakery. I get him after homeless sex. <laughs>
3: you make them cook for you? Oh, yeah. What kind of monster are you? Look. And I want to know how you get him to do it.
7: <laughs> hey, here's my point. You know, there's some really ugly stuff going on. If you
3: make it up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. I heard a dinosaur ate him. That's what I heard. I heard it's it was a right dinosaur. Away.
0: He was actually, so he had a can of Barbasol. And inside the bottom of it was like dinosaur right? DNA. And he was running as fast as he could through the
7: forest. In the world. And I know people that just get outraged at Putin because he's had some people knocked off. Well, just about everybody... In government, including our government, has done that kind of thing. Yeah, and we fucking whacked a couple fucking people. What the fuck? <laughs> up all and fucking
5: look
0: at This is my business, huh? This is my fucking business. Don't fucking ask about my fucking <laughs>
5: business. All right. I fucking want to go whack a few fucking people. Hey, I'm the fucking president. He's <laughs> like, I don't know why he's so upset that the government's
3: killing its citizens. <laughs> why, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, that seems like something we don't want to have. We don't just be like tacitly like, ah. I want the
0: same number of bullets in every <laughs> season. <laughs> Do you know how long that's going to take? I the don't same care. number of bullets. <laughs> So we want to thank our patrons, of course. Uh, they're the ones who make this show possible. They're the ones who make Glory Hole Studios possible. So we want to thank all our patrons, but we would like to thank our newest patrons, Keegan, Michael, baila's Bayless... Bayl- Bayless... Yeah, Bayless... But- <laughs> The, I like the person puts on the end of their name. Good luck pronouncing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we nailed yeah. it though. I think we is- I, you just kind of, kind of, just give up halfway through. God, comma, I hate that last guy. It's the tie, Mateo Oh, that's a good name. Yeah, I is. like that. Christopher, the biggity bang, and Zachary. Thank you so much for your generous Thank donations. You we really do appreciate it. So, we got a, an image uh, from James, <laughs> and James sent this image along. It's going to be on episode 353's show notes. Uh, it's a church sign about Easter. That's so <laughs> it's great. really funny. I love that somebody went out of their way to hang a, a secondary <laughs> sign on their sign. Uh, so, we got a message from Vin, and Vin sent in an image, uh, and this is hilarious. Uh, it says, uh, this is what a Senator, Senator John Reagan said, Tom, read this where it starts with my response.
3: My response would be, what kind of accountability do we have now? Our schools are graded by test scores and half the schools are doing worse than the other half. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and true. nobody does anything about that at all. That is
0: true. John Reagan. <laughs> that's true about anything you quantify. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. That's terrific. Terrific. We got this message from LR and LR sent us some uh ways in which to pronounce things in Croatian. So I'm gonna try to do this. He says that the uh C with the toupee is pronounced as <laughs> ch the C with the Trump hair is mostly the same, so it's a s in the back of the throat. The S with the toupee is S H. So like shut. And then the Z is a J. So you remember when I pronounced it J last time? Yeah. I was right. All right. It's like J is in jocks, but a D is also like a D with like a little extra little knife that's been stuck in its back is also a J. <laughs>
3: it's, it's like a Caesar so, J. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so thank you for your pronunciation uh, little guide here. That's going to help they us just use a J for all of the Croatian stories. <laughs> yeah, <right. do. laughs> I, though, am very impressed that someone in Croatia is listening. I think that's awesome. I think that's great. We got a message, a cooking message this week from someone who said, What's a good, like, I wanna hear what your sides are. You guys were p- picking on ham and sides. I wanna hear what your sides are. I just want people to know that if you make your own potato salad, one of the biggest problems with potato salad, there's so many different problems, with bad things that people do. One of the things they do is they pick the wrong potatoes. They get those fucking Idaho potatoes instead of the red potatoes. Oh, the ones that turn into nothing. Yeah, so they they get fucking <clears throat> they get like baking potatoes. Yeah, right. And then you you stir it once and it disintegrates. It yeah. turns into potato gel. So you got to get you got to get waxy potatoes. You got to get a red potato. Then you the other thing that people don't ever do, which makes the potato salad immensely better, is make your own mayonnaise. It's yep. not hard to make your own mayonnaise. There's plenty of recipes out there. If you have a food processor or an immersion blender at home, you can make your own mayonnaise, and it's exponentially better than any mayonnaise you could ever get out of a jar.
3: And the Alton Brown recipe yeah. for making your own mayonnaise is super accessible. It's it's, it's easy. It's yeah. just
0: he's made it simple. Um, Another thing is people put too much onion in that. And I find that chive is probably all you really need. You could add a little red onion if you want, but chive is perfect. Get good bacon. That's another thing that people don't do. And they don't like, they'll put like turkey bacon or they won't put bacon oh, in at all. No, wait, 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 slow needed. down. Turkey bacon? I know, but what you need is you need to go out and get good bacon. Buy the best bacon you can find. Cut it into, cut it, cut the strips across so that it's all diced. Throw it in a pan and add a little bit of water to it. And that's gonna help render the fat. And then you'll get all the well that that fat will start to render. And then the the fat, once all the water disintegrates, or evaporates, doesn't disintegrate. <laughs> once it <laughs> evaporates, I know, fucking God, it's like, fucking, it's like what Fukushima. You, you got to put it in a fucking thing. <laughs> no, but once it, once it evaporates, then that grease has already had a chance to render. So now it starts actually cooking the bacon and you get a nice pan of brown bacon that way. It actually works out really well. But brown all the bacon and use the whole fucking thing. Like don't fucking skimp on the bacon. I find that people do that all the time. Another thing that people do that makes their potato salad terrible is they cook the eggs way too long? Have you ever gotten the green egg potato oh, salad? Oh,
3: fucking hell, man!
0: Twelve minutes for hard-boiled eggs. You put them in. You as soon as the water starts boiling, you time it. As soon as it's off, you take them off the fucking stove and it's you put, put them on ice. cold water, cold water, ice, whatever you got to do. Stop the fucking cooking process, or you're gonna have sulfur balls. <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck, man? But people—do you want sulfur balls? Yeah, people fuck that up, yeah. and it's—and the thing is, is like all of those things are relatively easy to do. at any juncture all of those like one of those pieces can be so far off and it's the worst potato salad you've ever had but potato salad's not hard to make but if you do like the right things you can make an amazing potato salad
3: good potato salad is worth something absolutely right it's following your recipe for potato salad potato salad is is my son finnegan's favorite food It's, it's it is his favorite actual food it's fucking potato salad
0: it's and potatoes with some homemade mayonnaise. Hey, right. But still, yeah. it's, you know, then that's why he yeah. likes and it because he knows properly. how things get. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. it's like, it's such a, so that's my favorite side with ham. Um, But I also think a good mac and cheese is also good, but not fucking box method like make your own mac and cheese like fucking there's a million recipes that's not out terribly there. hard either it's not hard it's not. make a bechamel throw a little cheese in there get it fucking yep. cooked up a fucking that that's not hard but people fucking think like like you know like i gotta i'm gonna make mac and cheese i'm gonna open this box of Whoa. orange shit and Whoa. make it i'm not and the thing is is like look i get it it's high food you want to eat that shit while you're high eat away but it's not a fucking i'm if if i have guests over it's easter yeah it's
3: easter I I think the best side with a ham is a prime rib. <laughs> I think nothing complements. That's very true. A right? ham, a turkey, like a yeah. garbage can, yeah. and then a prime rib. Yeah.
0: I I I think I think you can make a good ham. I do a mustard crust on my ham, which I like a lot, but some people don't like sure. mustard. So, but I, do I love mustard. mustard. I do a mustard crust on there, and I think that that's a good salad. You know, I don't try to make it sweet. And that's that's a thing that people try that's, to do a lot.
3: Honey glaze the mm. fucking hand. Like, yeah, I guess if my dog's hungry, <laughs> I would consider. And if I didn't love my dog. Right. I would maybe give some Stick of that
0: grapes in there and chocolate. Right? Uh, we want to thank Anthony Magna Bosco for coming by in studio. Great guy. Great guy we first chance to meet him. But really just a, a nice yeah. guy. I could see uh him being able to really easily chat with a bunch of people. You yeah. know what I mean? Like a bunch, a wide range of people. His YouTube channel is fascinating. There's going to be a bunch of links on this week's show notes to check him out on Twitter, YouTube and Facebook uh as well as a bunch of other videos we're going to link on this week's show notes. Check out Anthony's work. He actually is a really smart, talented guy and he's doing good stuff out there. He is. Teaching people how to do this uh street epistemology uh method. There's there's ways to find the stuff like we talked about earlier, but you can also buy Pete Boghossian's book, which is actually an excellent book. It is. Manual for Creating Atheists. Look for it on Amazon. Really good book. And Pete's a good guy. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, we're going to be at ReasonCon next week, so we will post the show after ReasonCon. I'll, we'll probably post it for patrons before, but we'll post the show after ReasonCon. So, uh, so we hope we run into you at ReasonCon. Uh, And that should be a lot of fun. If we run into you and we knock you over, I'm sorry. And I'll buy you a drink. (laughs) We're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed.
3: Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter mommy issue hypno Babylon bullshit.
5: <laughs> great. I, <love> <laughs> I want to hear that again. <laughs> it's been recorded for posterity. <laughs> so. <laughs> 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 that's
3: so great. Let's <clears throat> oh, get be- stolen I- from Ryan Slotnick. Of I don't, I don't know how this works, but I want that to be my ringtone forever. <laughs> 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 It's got a little bit of Mario to it, like blank, blank, blank.
1: blank, blank,
3: blank. <laughs> All
0: right, skit begins.
4: Oh, I go first? Fuck.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought somebody was going to read the stage direction. I don't know why. All right, <clears throat> it's an audio medium. <laughs>
5: Nobody's even walked in the fucking door yet. (laughs) He thinks (laughs) we've been doing a two and a half year table read. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) All right.